Hello, and welcome to the Go Take Pictures podcast, where we spend time getting to know people who've decided to use photography to communicate in powerful ways. And the question I want to ask, how do they balance making art with being a real person? How does photography fit into their family, their job, struggles, and everyday life? At the end of the conversation, I'm hoping to know where the art comes from and then share that with you. My guest on this episode is Brian Atkins, a Portland, Oregon-based landscape and lifestyle photographer originally from the Bay Area of California. Brian spends his time alternating between mountain biking, hiking, and photography. We talked about what brought him to the Pacific Northwest and how he started creating imagery for outdoor brands. Brian, thank you so much for being on here with me. This is uh, a real treat. Uh, I kind of learned about you. I just kind of started seeing your posts on Instagram. And then we had a couple mutual friends who I think were you, we were all kind of commenting back and forth and and that sort of thing. And then you actually met one of my friends that I shoot with a lot in person. You guys ran into each other. You met Cody. So um, I would love to know more about you. And if you could just kind of tell us tell us who you are, where you are, what you're doing, where you where you live, where you're from, that sort of thing. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First off, obviously, just thanks for having me on. Um, this will be a of good course. time. Um, yeah, so my name's Brian. I'm pretty much just a landscape and lifestyle photographer, primarily. Um, I live here in Portland in the Northwest area. Um, originally born and raised in the Bay Area, down um, yeah. in Sunnyvale, next to Cupertino, where uh, Apple's located. Um, so, okay. like, yeah, our our south of SF. It's born and raised there. Um, had a pretty like normal, well, I guess normal in my terms, um, type of life, just growing up, having fun as a kid, you know, no crazy family stuff yeah. going on. Everyone just loves each other type of deal. And that's kind of a suburban env- environment there. Yeah. Yeah. Am I, am I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not, not in the country or anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No, it's always good to, it's something I've been kind of thinking about lately as I talk with different people and you start to realize where people grew up and how the location and and just kind of the environment has a profound effect on how you view the world and kind of what, you know, what, what you expect and how you think other people might think. So yes, that's cool. Yeah. The Bay area is like a super diverse place. And like my school was, it had like a really heavy, like demographic towards like certain types of people, but it was like super diverse. Like it was like sort of like heavily with like sort of people from like Asia or like India type of deal, you know? But, like, there's still, sure. like, a lot of just, like, a melting pot of people. So it was, like, kind of an interesting experience to always just be surrounded by people from different backgrounds and, like, not just grow up where everyone kind of looks the same, if that makes any sense. Sure. So it's, like, I feel yeah, like it was yeah, really, uh, really good to sense. grow up and just get to know people and not, like, kind of have these sort of weird stereotypes or something that you're dealing with and you just kind of look at everyone fairly equal which i hope we could all do regardless of that but i feel like it helped me mesh with yeah. like anyone and everyone at a young age oh it's a blessing to have that yeah yeah so um okay so from sunnyvale bay area how did you end up in uh, the portland area um so there's it's kind of like a long story and feel free to it's feel like, free to digress yeah if you, it's a, if it's it's a, a pretty story, like feel free. specific like thing because i've thought about this i was like, man this is kind of wild that i'm really doing this i was like how did this actually happen and i've kind of put the story together um so it, it pretty much started when i was in college i went to sonoma state university like an hour south of san francisco and mm-hmm. i was i think in my second to last year i think i was like about to graduate in a six months to a year or something and i was like just trying to fall asleep one night i'm like man where should i go like after college i'm gonna have the ability to like relocate or whatever because i'll have to you know find a job and i was like man you know i i don't know and i eventually fell asleep and the next morning i was just hanging out like i think i was playing video games or something and i had this subconscious thought that was like portland oregon and i was like huh all right maybe there's something there i don't know anything about the place i've never been there but i'll keep that you know in mind and so fast forward um like i guess a year and a half two years to um 2019 like mid 2019 and i was like man i i think i need to like pull the trigger and figure out where i want to go and so i looked up portland and i was like i'm gonna just take this trip here and shoot some photos of waterfalls and things which i hadn't done before 
and there's also this freestyle scootering event that was going on in the summer. And I was like, I'm going to go right around in this and kind of just try to experience this in like five days. So I made that trip happen, shot waterfalls, um, did this event and then went home and I was like, I think this is it. Like that was a super fun experience. I don't think I need to think of anywhere else I'd rather be. I think I just need to make this happen. So that's kind of like the, the water down. What was it about? Yeah. What appealed, what appealed to you about Oregon after you visited? I think it's really just like, like what was the things, the nature, like the city itself was pretty cool. Like I had probably two realizations on that trip. The first one, it was like a nice summer morning, like probably 75 degrees or something. And I was sitting at the waterfront, like eating breakfast at just some random cafe I found. And it was like really just like peaceful. And I was like, man, like I didn't grow up in a city where there's like a river cutting straight through it. Like this is insane. Like it's a urban city, obviously, but it's like I'm on this awesome like waterfront. And it was just like just this really peaceful thing. I was like, man, I I just like this is a completely different vibe from like a cafe where you're just staring out at a city street that like my town would have. So that was that was one of the first things. Right. And then. The second was just all the nature around here, like the gorge, like Silver Falls and the coast and everything. I didn't have like pristine environments like that growing up. Like there is some nature stuff here and there and you can find Mm -hmm. it, but it's not like crazy waterfalls and things. Um, So I think I was really drawn into that. And I grew up as like a surf type of family. We'd always go to the beach, always go surf and like family vacations were centered around the coast and like beaches and southern california or maybe like aruba out in uh, like the bahamas area and so i thought i was like this beach person growing up right and i was like yeah the coast is awesome and then when i came here that summer i was like actually i think i really love forests and trees and waterfalls and things which i didn't experience a whole lot of um growing up and things Mm -hmm. and so that's when it kind of hit me i was like no man like i think colder weather access to snow like mountain peaks water flow forests like I think that's what I want to surround myself with just like in general for like hiking and things like to have fun, but definitely Mm -hmm. also for what I would actually want to be able to shoot and have access to, you know, almost on an unlimited basis. Yeah. So that was, that's cool. That's like the main influence. Of course, course Oregon. And of course in Oregon, you know, I, I think we always joke around. I think that, um, Oregonians, we don't call it the beach, we call it the coast. And the, you know, there's this, what's cool is that, yeah, you want, you're all into the waterfalls and the mountains and the trees. And the great thing is we have a few places where all of that collides with the ocean, you know, (laughs) yeah, you can be on a trail with the ocean to your side, to one side and trees and waterfalls right next to you. So that's yeah, pretty cool. So you you came up here and went on that trip and, and experienced all that having come from surfing California, a different environment. Where does photography fit into that for you? Like how, how, I guess maybe a better question is when did photography become a thing for you? Is this something you've been doing for a long time? Is it something that you just started when you came up here? I'm curious about that. Yeah. That's also like a story that I put together with a lot of bits and pieces. Um, I got my first camera in 2017 and the story behind why I would even get a camera in the first place and have that interest is I think it was something I honestly was just like naturally interested in from a really young age. I remember um, on a family vacation, I was probably like 12 or 11 or something, pretty young. And we walked by this like this art studio. I think I'm pretty sure it was a photo studio. I don't believe it was paintings, but it was so long ago. It's hard to recall exactly. And I remember I saw this photo in the window I was like yo mom like what is what like what is that thing there's just a bunch of pictures in there and she's like oh that's like a photo studio and I was like what and she's like yeah like someone took this picture and it was of some kind of a coastal like warm landscape in like California I was like huh that's interesting and so me as an 11 year old child I was like wow photography okay like that that looks cool and then way later when I was like Mm -hmm. 21 like 10 years later I was like dude I just I need to get a camera like I think I want to start to explore this um so i got hooked up uh, by my parents for christmas in 2016 and literally the first day of 2017 is when i fired the thing up and used it so that that is the day i started 
Okay. That, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of where it came from. You have a very nice, uh, yeah, you've got, you've got a, a nice uh, line in the sand. You can see I started first day of 17. That's yep. cool. And um, I think one um, of the important so things the, to continue sort of where that interest kind of came back when I was a little older um, one of my friends, Cody Mayer, twenty-two on Instagram. I met him in college. He rides uh, BMX as well, and we had just seen each other around um, campus. And we were like on in the car to go to the skate park, like the first time we hung out. And he's like, "Yeah, I actually like shoot photos and stuff too." And this was sometime in twenty sixteen, and he was showing me like long exposures and like these crazy like saturated photos that he takes. And I was like, "Whoa, this is cool!" And so that kind of like that's when I think it really kicked in. I was like, "Yeah, I think I actually need to like." get a camera and that's when I learned what like long exposures and things were and he kind of told me about sort of how you shoot that stuff and gave me a little bit more of a slight understanding than just kind of like yeah I might want to get a camera one day so that's when it was kind of like yeah I need to like actually Mm -hmm. like bug my parents and kind of make this thing happen yeah now did you ever um I think a lot of people they start the photography journey with, you know, like their phone, something like that. Is that something mm-hmm. that you ever kind of played around with when you were kind of beginning to think about photography? Yeah, to a degree. I can't remember when exactly, but I think somewhere between like 2014-ish, 2015, I definitely was using my phone. I had like a screw-on uh, fisheye lens for like skateboarding, and we would like go film clips and of things course. at the skate park, but then like I'd throw that on and shoot like some landscape images here and there. So I did use my phone a little bit, but not a whole lot. Yeah, and, that's cool. Yeah, it was just, it, I don't know. <laughs> well, and has, if, if you, um, the the person that we have, the friend we have in common is uh, Cody Keto. Mm-hmm. And I still have yet to interview Cody on here, which is dumb because he's <laughs> a really, he's a really good friend. And we, he's one of the few people that I just shoot with re- very regularly. We, you know, we, we, we kind of have, we were kind of, a, you know, a little landscape photography pod all the way through the pandemic we've been, He's, we've been kind of hanging out. So he, if you go back far enough in his feed, back when he first really started getting into landscapes, there's a lot of fisheye stuff in there. Um, he was pretty hardcore with the fisheye lens. Uh, he's kind yeah. of gotten away from that. Now he's got a, you know, a pretty wide uh, prime lens, but he spent a lot of time with those fisheye lenses. Yeah, I actually had a fisheye not too long after I got my first camera because I've always liked like watching skate videos, you see like the Sony VX1000 with a massive fisheye on the front. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I love fisheyes. They're sweet. So I got one of those um, for my first camera. And I just like, yeah, if you scroll down my feet a lot too, it's just all fisheye stuff for the most part. Hey, and then if I kind of started to switch it up. But. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if you do any bit of photography in the skate world, you kind of need the fisheye. I mean, that's, yeah. that's sort of a rite of passage, I think. Yeah. They're, and I say fun. that as an observer from the outside. I I am not a skater. I I have a irrational fear of breaking my ankle. <laughs> um, every time I watch anybody practicing any kind of trick, I I just think, how would you ever get past the fear that? Yep, this is when I'm going to fall and break my ankle. <laughs> so I don't. I admire everybody else who does it, but I have no. Uh, there's no way I could pull that off. Yeah. It's a sketchy so, thing for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's there's a um, ah, youth is a uh, is a powerful um, anti fear. <laughs> uh, I don't yeah. have that anymore. <laughs> so, has it been a a constant thing for you, photography, ever since you started? Um, I'm it, something where you've just kind of um, have you worked through different kinds of photography? Did you did you take any breaks? Anything like that? Uh, actually, yeah. So basically like I got that camera, right? Like right at the start of 2017 and I was still in school. So I would go to like the Bodega Bay area a lot, like the Sonoma coast. And that's when I was like doing landscape stuff. Um, I did shoot a little bit of portrait stuff and skateboarding stuff with some people I knew just trying to kind of get a feel for everything. Um, even some macro stuff as well. I got like this kit set up and it had like a macro and I was like, well, this is crazy. I can get like insects and bugs. So I kind of shot like a lot of stuff um, for that first year and a half. And then in the summer of 2018, I graduated school and moved back home to Sunnyvale. And then like the Sonoma Coast just, it wasn't a thing anymore, right? And I was like, well, what am I going to like go shoot? Like, I don't want to go to San Francisco and shoot urban stuff. And Santa Cruz is like, okay, but it's kind of not as a fun drive to get to. And there's always a lot of traffic and things. 
So I just quit shooting in the middle of 2018 and just like started working full time and started riding uh, dirt jump bikes a little bit more. So I was riding a lot of like mountain bike jumps and things and took a huge break for pretty much a year exactly. And then in May of 2019, I just sold my old camera and just dropped like half my savings on um, on a Sony because it was like kind of the dream setup. And since I had been working and not really like doing much besides just riding, I was like, man, I kind of, kind of afford this. And out of nowhere, I just like sold it and got the Sony without even really shooting any seriously in between that time period. So it was kind of like a, like mm. a, what's the word? A rash, a rash decision to do that. And that's when it really sure. kicked <laughs> right. in. And that, that summer of 2019, I haven't stopped since, uh, since I got that, that Sony setup. It's just been like pretty much it peaked after that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, you, you're certainly, you're shooting a lot these days. Uh, yeah. Uh, of, of the people that I, that I'm connected with, I, I'm, it kind of always it's i wouldn't say it's surprising but it's uh i'm just, I just i'm watching like you're always posting to work so yeah uh, i shoot pretty much cool. every weekend religiously um especially during the winter because i can't go like ride my mountain bike pretty much when it's like all wet and muddy and like 30 degrees <laughs> so i go pretty hard mm-hmm. in the winter time um and then yeah i just constantly edit like monday through fridays and then saturdays and sundays is just straight up like 10 hour days out doing whatever and then I'm pretty much nice. always stacked on content because of that. Yeah. So it's the middle of Sunday right now. Are you? Have you already gone out shooting or are you going to later? Yeah. So we had a full day yesterday. And then today I just woke up super nice. tired and I was like, oh, I don't know. I kind of want to edit some stuff from yesterday and take care of some errands today. And I mean, I'm, I'm sitting cool. on like, I think, 65 photos in my Instagram queue already. And I've kind of oh, wow. updated the whole site this year. Um, did a huge like re-edit of my site and rebuild and have that fairly polished. So I was like, yeah, I don't know if I need to really go shoot today per se. <laughs> Could take at least take one sure. day off. Yeah, no, I have this kind of. I mean, uh, with the friends that you know, I've got a, a bunch of friends that know me, and they see they'll either go out shooting with me or they'll they'll see me throwing. You know, hey, I got some I need feedback, and I'll share it with the guys, and and they'll they'll be like dude, are you ever going to release that one that we gave you feedback on? Because I, I will go shoot and I would say literally only 10% of what I shoot ever sees the light of day uh-huh. and ever, ever gets shared. And half the time, I don't share it for like six months to a year after <laughs> shooting. And it's not, and it's not like a conscious decision where I'm like, I'm going to hold these. It's more that I get them and I, and sometimes I'll, I'll go shoot in spurts. Like I'll go I'll go on Thursday and then I'll go again on Saturday and then I'll go again on Sunday and then I won't shoot for like two, three, two or three weeks. And so mm-hmm. I'm a little, it's a little backed up. Like the queue of images is backed up you know? yeah. <laughs> and that's if work doesn't, if, if that's if um, my you know, commercial work doesn't get in the way. So you kind of, you kind of work it out there and do what you can. Yeah. I had a lot of photos just sitting in my room that weren't edited for a while Cause it's like, I'll go out and I'll shoot a whole bunch. And a lot of them are kind of the same composition, maybe slightly shifted or it's like, you know, mm-hmm. a shutter speed might be different and the water kind of is more smooth out or whatever. So I usually pick like my favorites and then just kind of build a backlog of things that are like, kind of like burner photos if I haven't been shooting and I'm just been like writing a lot. So I don't, you know, have any fresh mm-hmm. photos. Um, and that was super helpful actually when uh, the pandemic hit since they pretty much like actually officially closed, you know, like trails and they would ticket you if you drove out right. to falls and parked or whatever. So I was like, well, I don't right. really want to like go do that and like risk getting a ticket. So I'm going to dive in Lightroom and look through 2000 photos that have been sitting in here from, I guess, the past half a year. <laughs> and so I had a whole bunch of stuff that I just never edited, yeah. but was like still usable, at least for like Instagram. So it's kind of helpful to like overshoot right. and then just pick your selects and then just keep the other stuff if you're not running out of memory keep it in the in the, the lightroom queue well that's cool yeah no, that's, that's that's a good idea okay so you've mentioned bikes and yeah. I, I would love to know more so I, i'll say this that uh i think we're i don't even know i don't even know what episode this is we're somewhere in like 18 19 20 episodes in something like that maybe it's less i don't know I don't, I don't keep track of it, but I don't think I've talked to anybody else who, where cycling is 
um, we haven't talked about it, I guess is better, a better way to put it. I, I have recorded with somebody who I know is an avid cyclist, but we didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. But you are, you're riding all the time. Like you've got stuff going on that's both career-based, work-based, hobby-based that's around bicycles. And I would love to know more about that. Yeah. So I think just like to start, that was like around the age of 13-ish. I pretty much started skateboarding um, scootering, which I, is basically the same thing as skateboarding, but with a scooter, it, some people know what it is. Some people don't yeah. get it. And then also riding BMX. And then I've done pretty much all of those fairly consistently, got kind of going through phases up until now. And then last year is when I sort of transitioned out of all three and just got my first mountain bike, like a trail bike. And mm -hmm. so that's when I was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to kind of just really focus on bikes now. And specifically mountain biking and that's mostly okay. because of the job i got up here i'm not, i won't say who um, but if you're into bikes and you know the guys that are in portland that make pretty much the most high quality bearings i think arguably in the world um, that's who i work for and so i was fortunate enough to get hooked up with a okay. mountain bike and that just started it and i was like yeah this is uh this is a little cooler than skateboarding and a lot more fun than grinding ledges and going to the skate park on the bmx bike and i'm like in the woods and i can bomb down trails and ride jumps and whatever. Um, so I try to balance the photography with mountain biking and it's like, it can be hard at times because of the winter here and then like the rainy season and all that. So it's like, if the weather's good, I'm like, oh, I kind of mm. want to go shoot though. Cause it's like not raining and I can maybe just set the tripod up and run like filters and things. And it's easier when it's just not all wet and your camera lens is covered in rain, obviously. But I'm like, it's also warm right. and I think I want to go ride. <laughs> So I kind of leave it up to the yeah. weather to decide and kind of what the forecast is looking like. Yeah. Now, did you uh, did you do any mountain biking when you were down in the Bay Area? No, I went on like or that two kind of or three rides. Exclusively was, Oregon thing. Yeah, it's pretty much just Oregon. I was like, my dad's been riding mountain bikes for like 43 years or something, like pretty much since it first became wow. a thing. And he took me on a handful of yeah. rides when I was like 12, 13, but then that's when I like got into the skateboarding stuff and then went the BMX route rather than mountain biking, but it's pretty much come mm. full circle at this point. But I think nice. it's really just specifically that it just played out this way that I moved up here and work for who I work for. And that's just kind of when the mountain biking started. But I always knew in the back of my head, like I'm going to eventually get a mountain bike just when the time is, you know, the time is right. So this is just how it all played yeah. out. That's cool. I, so I'm um, just from our, the little bit of timeline I'm, quite a bit older than you. Um, so I graduated high school in 1993. Uh -huh. So I'm 46 this year. <laughs> but that, um, if it gives you any, um, I grew up mountain biking when I was in high school. So, um, and this is about the time that the first GT mountain bikes came out. Uh -huh. um, so I was riding and, and really active in the middle of the scene when the suspension forks were first introduced. So yeah. my, my, the first six years, five or six years of me riding mountain bikes, suspension wasn't a thing that nobody had that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like the first rock shock was introduced and we're like, Oh, that's crazy. Rock <laughs> what, is, what is that? And, <laughs> and they were bouncy as hell. I mean, it was the, you know, there was no dampening. It was just, it was pretty rough. And then it just kind of got, and it was interesting because I think I, I ended up with one, suspension fork and that was cool and then i went to college and i just kind of i dropped all of it um and i've since come back into the cycling world i was a full-time bike commuter for like seven years i was working in downtown portland oh, okay. and was riding like 14 miles a day um <laughs> you know on a on a you know a fancy road bike with racks and fenders and all this stuff yeah but um yeah but i it's interesting because just right now i'm actually getting rid of my commuting bike and I've got a friend that's going to borrow it and decide if he wants to buy it. But I'm I'm doing all of the like shopping and, and trying to learn what's in the world now because I want to buy a new mountain bike. I haven't uh -huh. had one. Yeah, I mean we've had a couple of crappy mountain bikes that you know the kids bomb around on um, from time to time. But I haven't had a really nice bike, you know, mountain bike in gosh, I mean, nearly thirty years. So it'll be kind of the, all the technology has changed. Um, yeah which is kind of cool, but also I feel like I'm starting from scratch. Like I barely know what I'm 
looking at. <laughs> like I, yeah. was look, I was looking at it and going, okay, do I want 29 inch wheels or 27 and a half? And do I want full suspension? And oh, it's not even just a question of suspension or no. It's okay, you want cross country? Do you want a downhill bike? Do you want a trail bike? All the geometry is di completely different than what I remember. Um, all of the you know drivetrain stuff is completely like, everything's hydraulic discs now. Um, <laughs> so I'm like I'm pretty good with adjusting cantilevers. Like I know how to do that. Um, <laughs> uh, all of that stuff. So it's it's kind of a it's a weird place to be to be shopping and looking at what's available. And yeah. and I think <clears throat> just the prices on mountain bikes are so different now. Like the highest end bikes when I was riding before were like titanium. They were like three thousand dollars titanium, and they were titanium. That was the top. So when I see sixteen thousand dollars <laughs> downhill bomber bikes, I'm just it, it kind of blows my mind. Yeah, everything's like made out of like carbon fiber now, like oh, rims, yeah. frames, bars, whatever. And then yeah, that just obviously probably more expensive to manufacture. But I think part of it is demand. I'd imagine people are more people are riding bikes right now, at least like mountain bikes. And with the pandemic too, I think more people started like to get back into mountain biking and wanted to upgrade their bike or like right. just go get one because things that they oh, you, did before yeah. aren't like happening. They're so. almost impossible to find. Like if yeah. you find a bike that you're interested in, I, I was, I was, who was, I can't remember who I was talking to. Um, it was somebody that's in the industry and they were saying that their the inventory is like two months behind so when you if you want to buy a bike there's a pretty good chance that they're not going to have it like you kind of need to just settle for what you can find right now yeah it's rich it's like it's crazy <laughs> yeah so i have a couple bikes i've had my eye on that are and they're kind of you know intermediate you know not beginner bikes not totally high end and i'm kind of zoning in on a couple but i keep finding one i was like oh that looks like the greatest bike and then you're like, no no mediums aren't available can't yeah. find one in a medium size so I'm kind of just waiting. I've even bid on a couple on eBay, <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So, um, and you mentioned not going riding in the winter. And see, I grew up like we rode in all the slop because I'm an Oregon kid, right? And and I remember we used to read um, Mountain Bike Action magazine was the was the big magazine when we were back in the day, and you'd uh -huh. get that magazine and have reviews and everything. And those guys would always be whining about, oh yeah, it's less than sixty degrees, we can't ride. <laughs> And we'd be like, we don't, we wouldn't ride, but three months out of the year if we waited until it was sixty. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's more so like I think the cold, not really like the mud yeah, yeah. or like the rain. It's just like my like hands or just like knees or whatever, just joints in general don't do well in the cold. And I'm stubborn, so I don't really want to like wear gloves <laughs> or like wear, you know, I don't know, I guess like a pair of pants under my riding pants to stay warm or whatever yeah. it has to be. To, to stay yeah. warm so i'm like oh, i'll just go bust out the camera and see i was a bike commuter so you <laughs> i i we just i got to a point where you're just like well it's the only thing that really stopped me from bike commuting was uh like freezing rain yeah um and and that would be the one thing i'd be like yeah i'll take the max if it does that I'm, <laughs> I'm uh i i got the i got the all the cold weather gear down to ride in it but it was just one of those where like when if the conditions get rough enough that you can't actually physically ride or you're in danger of <laughs> eating it if you you know if, if you if you get too if you get too acute of an angle uh I, I was out but mountain biking that's uh that's a different thing so yeah so you so you've gotten into that is that a, something where you've um found some community of of friends that you're riding with a little bit. I've got a couple of friends and then a few coworkers as well. Um, but a lot of people just like, they're just always doing their own own thing and like schedules don't line up sometimes, you know, depending on what type of job people have. So I usually just head out solo um, and then I might bump into like a coworker or two or just like make friends out at the trail. And COVID's also kind of yeah. like a weird year to get into it because it's like everyone's right. going out riding, but it's like you're not really socializing as much or like making friends in general. But I've got I've got like a small crew, and if the if the time is right and everything lines up, we'll get out together. But I usually nice. just wake up and just figure it out, you know, daily. I'm I'm pretty like I'm a pretty like solo type of person, so I usually just take it yeah. day by day, and I just wake up and I'm like, eh, I don't really want to try to coordinate with four or five people. I'll just go do my own thing. <laughs> well, that works out pretty well with the you know being a landscape photographer because I think like I know that 
there's a lot of camaraderie and people do meet up a lot, but there's so many, you know, kind of introverted solo uh, photographers that are into landscape photography. Yeah. And it, I've, it, it's funny to me how sometimes you'll see somebody out on the trail and you go, Hey, and you go up and say hi. And some people just kind of like, would you stop talking to me? And then other people are, Hey man, what's going on? And, you know, welcoming you right, right into their, their crew. So that's uh that's definitely a, an interesting place to be. Yeah. Um, so what's kind of what I was curious about, and I, I know you talked a little bit about where you've, you know, kind of how, how you've gotten into photography, how you kind of went away from it, came back. What are you, what are you doing with it now? What is the, the stuff that you're passionate about right now? I'd say it's a pretty even mix between landscape and lifestyle. And at first it was always about like the landscape. And then, like I said, I kind of shot portraits here and there and like, skateboarding or whatever and macro and all that and it's fun to like do all that but I think at this point I've learned that it's like all about landscape still and then I've discovered that I actually really like lifestyle stuff as well sort of centered around those adventures where you're chasing the landscape and you might have like your friend like walking down some sort of little path or whatever and the waterfalls behind him and then it becomes this mix between you know, your interaction with the landscape that you're seeking out. And it's pretty 50-50 split right. on my love for those two styles. And I still really like, like, riding photos, like mountain biking photos or BMX or whatever. But I don't shoot it as actively anymore because I'd rather just kind of go ride than bring the camera along. And, I mean, bumming down a trail with a expensive camera is not really the smartest decision. <laughs> so I kind of yeah. usually leave it at home. But I would like to, I would guess that to do that more. Yeah, and I would I would guess that as COVID um, lifts, as we as people start to get we start to get some herd immunity and people start gathering more, you might have more opportunities to shoot that stuff where you yeah you're the designated shooter sort of thing yeah um, which could be cool. Uh, I'm I'm actually going to be recording. I'm trying to schedule with a um, a woman who is a um, who's kind of a dedicated cyclist, you know bicycling photographer that's uh -huh. kind of based in portland so cool. hopefully that'll line up pretty quick and it's kind of it's kind of interesting how she covers everything from like bike you know gravel bikes to mountain biking to road cycling to bicycle touring like every all of it and i i'm always it's always interesting kind of watching like how much does she show up in it is it more that like she's along on the ride and she just takes pictures of everybody else or you know how does that work so, uh -huh. That's kind of a piece of it. So you, you mentioned lifestyle and landscape. What is it about? Tell me how those occupy different space for you in, in your in kind of your creative world. If you is, I don't know if that question makes any sense, but it might. Just, think, can you reiterate it? Yeah, I, I'm curious. So I, I, I asked this and maybe I'll, I'll give you some background. So I, I don't know if you know this about me. Everybody that listens to the podcast has heard me say some variation on this, but my, I got into photography. I, I've been a photographer like my most of my life. I used to shoot film point and shoots when I was a kid. And I got into photography um, again, this time around, shooting landscapes and, um, and city, uh, uh, like street photography with my iPhone. That's kind of how I started. And landscape is still a really important thing to me, but it's it occupies a very different space for me than the professional work where I'm uh, a commercial, you know, I, I do a lot of uh, mostly business oriented stuff. So this last week I did product photography, I did real estate and I did a bunch of, you know, headshots for professionals. Those live in different worlds for me. Um, like the lifestyle product stuff is not, I don't do it for the same reasons as I do landscape. And I'm mm -hmm. curious if you have, if those, if it feels like you flip a switch, if it feels like they're kind of separate things um, and how you think about them differently. I think they're pretty like integrated at this point. Cause it's okay. like, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know how to really explain it, but it's like I shoot landscape part of it just for like actually to go seek it out and like be in nature and, you know, mm -hmm. stare at the waterfall and be like, yeah, this place looks awesome. Like this is sweet. Or like, you know, if I went to Iceland, it would be for the, the beauty of the, the natural world. But at the same time, it's for the experience itself and like having to hike the trail or whatever. 
or whatever you did with your friends along the day. Like if you stopped for stopped for like snacks along the trail and someone's eating peanuts over on a log and you're just kind of like talking about whatever. So it's, I think it's kind of like an integration of the overall experience. And so it comes naturally to shoot landscape and lifestyle like simultaneously on the same outings. And I don't have okay. to like flip a switch and be like, oh, well, I need to like kind of think in this manner to like get into like my lifestyle mode, which might be different from pulling out my tripod and doing a long exposure. I think it all just sort of flows naturally and I remain just remain observant in general and be like, oh, this is like something really cool we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. I need to actually yank my camera out and shoot this lifestyle thing. Um, like an example of that is we were going to the Gifford Forest and my friend was like, hey, pull over. I want to like fly my drone and get this like street through the trees. And I was like, sure. And like, I was just like standing there for a minute. And then I was like, wait, she's pulling out her drone. She's going to fly it. I could make a quick little like lifestyle set out of this, of her, you know, pulling the drone out of the bag and, you know, it flying out of her hand and then like the remote and what she's looking at. And it was just like this subconscious right. thought just pinging me being like, yo, uh, you know, lifestyle thing right here, you know, whip that camera out. But it wasn't really like flipping a, a switch or like thinking of anything differently, just kind of being more observant, realizing that I can create this, create something in this moment. That's just kind of a natural thing that we're doing. Yeah, that's great. Well, it sounds like maybe the way you're thinking about it is you're, it's all part of the storytelling process. Yeah, pretty much. You're, 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 yeah, you're capturing the, the process of going there and what does it look like for us to all be hanging out on our way there and hiking and snacking and launching drones. And then you also are shooting, you know, kind of here's the end result. Here's the things that, here's the places we're going. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a better way to put it. It's trying to capture the story of going there and, you know, what happened, but then also just what you saw, which is the straight landscape. And then how I envision that is, you know, is the water going to be smooth and it looks more magical or is it going to be like a waterfall with a faster shutter and you capture the texture and then it's more kind of like powerful, you know, yeah. just kind of what yeah. I'm feeling at the time. No, and that's, then, that's exactly it. That's, yeah. that's great. And that's like... Yeah, so that just all comes naturally. But if I do have to go shoot like product or something or like brand work, it is a little bit more of like a, I wouldn't say it's an unnatural process, but I do think about things a little more before I go out and kind of have like, okay, I probably should hit location X, Y, and Z and do something kind of like, you know, shot A, B, and C and have more of a vision going into it than just like, well, let's just show up and I'll just kind of wing it and, you know, observe what's happening in the moment. So. I think that's where I do have to sort of separate between like shooting just for fun and kind of taking it as it comes and then being like, okay, I actually need to kind of like perform here and have a little bit more of a clear vision of how I need to capture these like products or just whatever I need to, to do to actually sure. produce a result that, you know, is going to be used and is satisfactory up to my own standard and someone else's standard. And tell me about that. Um, you hadn't really mentioned the product thing, but I'm, um, when you met the, the fact that you called it lifestyle was for me, a giveaway that you're, that you're working with other people and you're, you're creating a certain kind of, uh, a certain kind of photography. Tell me about that. Cause you mentioned products and, and other people's standards. What are you, what are you doing and what does that look like for you? Yeah. So like, uh, products, it's just like working for like working with brands. I just started to, dive into that like what that looks like pretty much this year um and so i've like collaborated with a few brands and have shot some products and then also have done some like self portraits not really like portraits but i had to shoot myself like modeling like some shirts or something or like mm -hmm. you know um using whatever product it is and so it's just nice. like a, it's a different thing to have to be in that headspace and mentality and be like, mm -hmm. how am I going to carry this out? Because all my friends are busy today, but I would still be using this like product on my own out in the world. But now I have to approach this differently and figure out how to shoot myself doing what I would naturally be doing. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Are these, um, what has the process been like for you to start those relationships with these companies? Is this something where you have reached out to them? Did they reach out to you? What has that conversation been like? It's been a mix. I had 
a handful of people hit me up uh, this year, which is really weird because it was like basically the start of this year. I was like, you know what? I think I'm at the point where I can try to like figure this out and like do like brand things and like kind of make that shift. And coincidentally, I like got hit up by a clothing brand like through Instagram just randomly. And I was like, oh, okay, that's really weird. I just wanted to start doing this. And now I've already got something coming in. And then the other half of that is figuring mm-hmm. out how you even go about reaching out to like brands and just what that process looks like. And it was like right. kind of hard to figure out because like no one like there's no like you can't like find it on the Internet. You can't like Google. How do you like get photography jobs? You have to like figure out how that dynamic right. like looks. And so it was like I had to figure out what a pitch deck was and then how do you build that out? Like what do you describe in that? What photos do you put in that? Um, and then figuring out what a media kit is like, what does that look like? Is this a biography about you? Is it links to like your site where they can look at your portfolio or is it like a four page sheet where you have that brand work listed out? And like, do you list your Instagram statistics and things like that? So it was kind of educating myself on how you can build mm-hmm. those out and then how to go about crafting an actual email to send to someone and what you even like say and like how to portray the value that you could have to provide them with some imagery right. and kind of what the like what the pitch really is about so that's no that's, that's kind of where that's i good. that's kind so of do where you I find no that's great that's great so when you is that kind of the process then have you been it sounds like you have kind of a formal process of building out a pitch deck and and giving a potential client an idea of what kind of thing that you're talking about shooting is that accurate yeah yeah, that's pretty what much is, how I go what about it. Is, <laughs> good, good. And I like it. Um, that's it's interesting because I think there is there's a there's a big understanding or maybe a misunderstanding in kind of the Instagram outdoor world where people there's a lot of talking about working with brands, but there's not but it's not very formal and people are just kind of like they just DM the brand like, hey, we'd love to work with you. But there's not a they haven't formulated an idea of this is what I'm proposing. This is what it will look like. This is what I'm going to deliver. And here's what I'm asking for from you. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of people tell me that too. They're like, Oh, I just like DM someone. I'm like, what? How? I'm like, I don't, I guess you could do that. And maybe if you have like 500 K followers, I mean, I don't see who wouldn't be like, okay, wait, who is this guy? But I was like, for me, I'm at like 5k or something. When I started doing this, I was like, I mean, they might see my photos and maybe it speaks for itself, but I don't think like DMing someone is going to be the proper way to do that. Or like if you just send like a paragraph email with no sort of materials or anything, and just maybe a link to your Instagram, I also don't think that's going to be like the right way to do it. And then I listen to a lot of um, other right. photography podcasts, like art of visuals or polar pro or things um, that have photographers that I look mm-hmm. up to. And those can be super useful as well. And they talk about kind of like how you go about doing it. And then that's when I was kind of picking up on it. They're like, oh, these guys are like sending these pitch decks or building out these media kits and like kind of like treating it as an actual business, not just like, hey, I take these cool photos and I'm going to DM me on Instagram and be like, here's my feed. So that's that was part of the approach to it and kind of figuring out some of the right steps. He's using resources like that to figure out how these other guys kind of go about it. Yeah. Now you're you're kind of just getting rolling on this this year. What have you? Um, are you finding that? Are you kind of running up against when you're when you're talking with these brands and trying to work out? Hey, you're like hey man, I'm mountain biking. I'm out in the woods. I'm going to be taking cool pictures. Here's what my life looks like. You give them a pitch deck. What kind of are you? How did you work out what you're charging? Are you at a point where where you're doing partial trades, uh, that sort of thing. How did you, how did you work that out for yourself? Yeah. The pricing is like, I'm not even sure if it's super dialed in right now, but I think it is just based on sort of what my experience is and like how much I've really shot. And then like, obviously the, the types of brands I've shot for, like if you've shot for like Google or something or like Lexus, you're probably going to charge more because you've done that. Even if those are your only two clients somehow, you know, it's just, they're a little bit more reputable than like a brand that somebody maybe hasn't heard of. Um, and I have like one friend through Instagram who she does like the whole Instagram, like influencer type of thing, um, taking a lot of product photos or her like using things. And so I was like, kind of like, Hey, like this is sort of where I fell with my prices. Is this like accurate ish based on just kind of the following I have and 
kind of just getting started and she was like yeah that looks like pretty all right like i don't think you'd be overcharging or undercharging so that'll be like a work in progress um yeah as far as the pricing stuff goes and then what was the other part of that question there that you asked you said oh i just was curious I, mostly i was curious about how well and and i know that a lot of people there's a portion of you know either getting started or working with smaller brands a lot of times there's a lot of trade like oh right like, yeah that's what you hey mentioned. send me the like they'll give you the product and they'll pay you some, or they'll be like, Hey, we'll give you the product, but we're not going to pay you. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> whenever you're trying to negotiate that stuff, I was curious if that's something you've run into much or, or how, how you've juggled that. If you have. Yeah. Yeah. So I have ran into that too. Um, and it's kind of been mixed. Like 2020 was a weird year for a lot of people. And so I'd imagine a lot of businesses probably don't have just as much funding sitting in their budget as they maybe normally would have. So I've had right. some people say that where they're like, hey, it's just like, this is sweet. We really like your work. Like your pitch was actually amazing. We always get a paragraph email with no examples, nothing. So like, this is awesome. Like you're like a real dude <laughs> that like is trying to do this. But uh, we don't <clears throat> like have any right. funding. You know, 2020 was pretty, pretty gnarly. But we like what you do. So come on down if it's like a local business and they'll be like, we'll give you some product. We can, you know, network, meet and then kind of go from there. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, this one company here that makes kombucha, um, in the city, that was the situation there. And I was like, well, yeah, sure. I'm going to go network and take this opportunity and, you know, figure out what happens. And he's a really cool guy that runs it. And I got to go there and see his factory and all that. Um, but yeah, there was like that budget constraint there, which is fine. It's understandable. And I wouldn't think that someone's, you know, going to dishonestly say that. So you kind of have to use your best judgment and be like, well, this is still going to be valuable to form that connection yeah. and, you know, do that anyways. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's interesting because I, you mentioned that, that they wouldn't be dishonest. I think it kind of, you have to judge character on that because there are, you know, I've had full on national magazines tell me they don't have a budget for, to, they want to include a photo of mine with a story. And they, and I go, Oh yeah. Well, okay. So what's your budget? And they're like, we don't have a budget. We'll give you credit. Like, yeah, no, that's not going to fly. But then yeah. I've had small local nonprofits that go, I don't have a budget. I'm like, I don't care. I'm happy to contribute because I believe in what you're doing. Or, yeah, exactly. Or sometimes I go, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, trade. I'll take a case of your product and, <laughs> yeah. and I'll produce a bunch of a bunch of lifestyle images. I have one local company that I keep tagging them and my I, I keep putting into my stories. I'm like, this is my favorite food on the planet. I keep tagging them. And wait, <laughs> and I've reached out a couple of times. I would gladly accept a case of their product and payment, but uh-huh. that's uh, it's it's kind of funny though. You know, we off we have to kind of juggle that and figure out how we're going to do things. Yeah, it's so yeah, it does it does depend on kind of who the brand is and what they do, and then like you know the whole sort of vibe or um, whatever they give off. So like for this kombucha company, I was like, yeah, that's that's okay. Like I mean, this is this is all good. I'm here. I've met you. Like I'm at your factory. Um, then I've had some other people with just like email communication They're like, yeah, we don't have much going on or much budget, but you know, we can kind of do a trade and what you would be charging us. We can just give you free choice and like what products you want and just spend that amount on our site or whatever through like a discount code. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm like. Ah, I mean, it wasn't like the point exactly of like pitching this, but I'm also just getting started. And if I do have this in more my portfolio, you know, is it something I actually think will provide value and is a good example of some other right. type of thing that it could lead to? So, like, I've done some some clothing stuff where yeah. that was a situation. I was like, well, if I'm shooting, like, jackets and, like, flannels and things, yeah, this is going to help me be able to leverage that and shoot other jackets and flannels for somebody else that could potentially have some right. budget. Well, I think that's that's the kind of thing where you have to – you have to exercise judgment. You have to figure out what works for you. Um, yeah. There are there is such a thing as making stuff for your portfolio, and this is kind of wild. I <clears throat> I was learning this probably about a, like in the last year, year and a half. I was working through reading. There's a book um, by a woman named Selena Matraya, and she is a consultant in the in the kind of art buying world. So she consults people on their portfolios and her what she teaches is that you go and you actually create the portfolio you want 
to present. You go make the work that you want to get hired to do, the kind of work you want to get hired to do, and then that's the thing you show to clients and say, look what I can do. And a lot of times, you know, if I want to go and if I want to take amazing pictures of Arcteryx gear in the wild, I can't afford to just go buy a whole boatload of Arcteryx gear, right? Mm-hmm. But I might be able to negotiate a deal with somebody like Arcteryx where they give me a whole bunch of product and that for free and I go shoot it. Exactly. And that becomes the thing that's becomes the thing in my portfolio that I can show off. Um, so I feel you on that. Yeah. That's exactly what goes into my like my mind when I have those situations. And it's probably more of something I would do like the first time. Like it's like, okay, right. have I shot like jackets yet? No. So yes, I think I should do this. But if I reach out to another brand, that's kind of like outdoorsy gear and I meet the same thing, unless they're like, really cool or something i may be like well sorry i'm just you know looking for paid work right now since i've already got that other jacket brand and then you can kind of start to lean off of that and you know decline anything that's like a trade since you've already got something else in your portfolio unless you really want to like kind of establish that connection with someone no that makes sense that makes a lot of sense i think it's the the one thing that i um in the circles that I run in, the, the people that I'm connected to, the, the the one thing that I always kind of push is the idea of just saying, like, look, every time you accept a bag as payment for shots, you are lowering the bar for everybody else, right? Yes. Yeah. So you have to be, you have to do it judiciously. You, you need to make sure you're not just always accepting payment and like, oh yeah, here's a case of you know of beer for and take a bunch of lifestyle pictures for us because now that company, they're never going to pay commercial rates for somebody to shoot that lifestyle work or it's going to start getting worse and worse. So it's, I think it's up to all of us to know our value and, and to ask for it and, and begin to push towards the idea that these, think about this. If the company is going to use your photos to sell their products, then it has value. Yeah. And they should be willing to pay for that. Yeah. That's how I look at it too. That's, that's like the weird thing. Like when you're just getting started, I'm like, man, what, like, what do I do? Do I just wait and hope someone is like, yeah, we can like pay you to do it and then I'll get that work in my portfolio too? Or do you kind of like, yeah, like you said, just use your best judgment. So it's a weird, it's a weird part to like start out with because I'm like, I don't know how to like navigate this. I don't want to like necessarily do a trade. And then that kind of makes that kind of be like, oh yeah, there's photographers that'll do this just for free and they'll just trade for product. Cause I'm like, well, is that like fair for anyone else that's trying to do this but yeah like you said it's just use your best judgment and get the stuff you want to shoot and then once you kind of have that dialed it's like okay just kind of stop doing that and push towards what you're actually trying to achieve and yeah like you said if your your work has value if they're going to use it to sell their products and then you can just push for that once you're dialed in and have have good examples yeah well it's interesting because one of the first I think it might be the first job I ever pitched as a, it was a lifestyle type thing. It was a local, a local food establishment. And I reached out and said, Hey, I love what you guys are doing. <clears throat> We'd gotten in touch cause I, I had actually taken some photos, you know, just casual candid stuff when I was in the, in the place and they reached out and was like, Hey, these are great pictures. Can we share them? And I was like, yeah, that's great. And then I reached out and said, Hey, how about I come in and do a behind the scenes, you know, behind the counter, what is it like to work there? What is it like for you to make the product? Take some pictures of, you know, lifestyle of you and your clients and just everything about what it is, like a day in the life of, of what is it like to be an employee there? And I said, and I'll do it for free because I hadn't done anything like that before. And I, it was awesome because the, this local business owner just t- said, that's nonsense. Nobody works for me for free. He goes, it may not be a lot. I may not have a huge budget, but um, I'm going to pay you for any art that you create that helps my business. That's cool. Yeah. And, and from that point on, I kind of always, I've always tucked that in the back of my mind that everything I create that is a value to them is also a value, you know, should be a value to, for me, like the, I should be paid for that, mm-hmm. compensated in some way. So I think it's good to just remember that there are good people out there they don't want to shortchange you They, you know, they want to help. So that's cool. Yeah. And I think like tapping into local businesses too, is something that I haven't really like put a lot of thought into. It's probably a little more like, I feel like it's probably harder to find like local businesses 
because there may not be as like large. So just like if it's just randomly through like Instagram when you're just scrolling your your feed or something, you may not like come across them as much. But I feel like it's probably a really cool thing to find smaller local businesses, and then you get like that personal kind of like relationship going on with whoever the owner is, since it's not just some right. you know like thousand person company, and you're talking to Jim or Joe or whoever in marketing, you know, like through email or whatever. Yeah. You can actually drive over there well, and say hi. Could, yeah. Well, I think it could be a little odd too, because <clears throat> you know, living in Portland, it's pretty. There's a lot of photographers here, so it can it can be a little saturated. And I've watched other photographers that just make a killing and really do exactly what we're talking about, but they do it in smaller communities. So there's a guy that I know of that I, I want to have on the podcast, but I need, I need to reach out to him before I mention his name. Casey's like, hell no, I don't want to do that. But <laughs> he, he's down in the Salem area and he's got, I'm going to say like a stable of like 10 or 15 businesses that he just regularly does lifestyle stuff. He did, that he's keeping their Instagram feed going, right? Mm-hmm. Just the new, here's the new drink. Here's the new burger. Here's the, you know, here's construction. And, and I just think that's great. And I, I think he's got, he's got a really great niche going in his community. Yeah, I think I actually I might think I I might know who you're talking about. I'll just say who it is. Like Zach, Zach Stone. Yeah, yeah. I noticed yeah, that Zach, too. Yeah. It looks like he's always doing things like yeah he, local, <clears throat> which is like really cool because it's like right, and that's like more community based too, which is almost like I feel like it would be more fulfilling to like work with local people around you than be like oh I shot for North Face and then I did something for I don't know like vans or something these big companies right but it's like if you're which is cool like if you can shoot for them great yeah <laughs> yeah if you could shoot for them that'd be fantastic but um no i've i've thought it was interesting and i've chatted with him we've dm'd a little bit um just about how he you know kind of how he works about that stuff so that's pretty cool yeah well good well i um would love to um we, we've been talking for a little while and I appreciate you taking the time. Mm-hmm. What I'd love to know is um, what is the stuff you're working on? What are the kind where can people find your work? And um, well, I, yeah, first of all, where can they find your work? Second of all, what do you want people to go take a look at? Uh, pretty much just my Instagram or my website. Both are just Brian Atkins photography. That's where you can find me. Um, yeah, and I'd say anyone just feel free to DM me on Instagram. If you like, are curious as to how I do whatever I do with its editing or whether it's figuring out how to navigate brand stuff or if you live in the area and want to go shoot whatever. Um, I'm always keen for people to reach out and connect. That's what I would encourage anyone and everyone to do with your sort of your local photography community is just find people to shoot with and share the passion. I think it's one of those hobbies where it's meant to be shared even if you are more of a solo person. It's fun to you know link up with people and really strengthen the community wherever you are. I love it. That's great. Well, and you also have a new feature account that you've started up with oh, right. our yeah. friend Cody. I did not Talk even mention that. anything about that. that. Yeah, that page is called Portland.shooters. And yeah, it's pretty much just a, a feature page where we're going to try to focus on um, local photographers' work and feature it on an account. And then it might have to expand into just kind of P&W shots in general, um, depending on just kind of how that plays out. Um and the big goal for that is once kind of like COVID and things settles down and that page grows a little more, we want to do local meetups, whether that's in the city or in like a nice nature location. Um, but we want to, yeah, we want to try to bring the community together and get people to go out and shoot and get like these 20 to 40 person meetups going on, maybe bigger, who knows, but that's the goal with that. And yeah, Cody, Cody's a, uh, Cody's on board with that. So cool. No, that sounds like sounds like something will be awesome when we get start getting some of the restrictions lifted. And yeah, enough people are vaccinated, we can all hang out. That'd be kind yeah. of cool. Well, I am really grateful for you taking the time on the weekend when you could be out uh, on trails, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing the all the new cool work that you're that you're working on and how those brand partnerships are working. Yeah, likewise, man. Thanks for having me on. It's been a blast. My pleasure. Cool. Thanks. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Also, I'm open to suggestions for interesting people to interview. 
So if you know of someone I should talk to, please reach out. You can reach out to me via the email link in the show notes, or you can send a message on Instagram or Facebook with the handle at GoTakePictures. New episodes are on the way soon, and if you subscribe, you'll get them as soon as they drop. But in the meantime, go take pictures.